Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Politics Wednesday, the Soweten and the Exchange. Tonight's guest is Ethel Trollip Peps, a man who needs no introduction, uh, really, with cinnamon South African politics uh, for a couple of decades now. I remember him uh, in the late 90s and as an MPL member of the provincial legislature uh, for the Democratic Alliance uh, in uh, Bisho in the Eastern Cape uh, legislature. He's moved around, led the DA's caucus in parliament and uh, led the DA in the Eastern Cape. And interesting news today uh, comes that uh, he has joined uh, Action SA. Welcome, Ethel. Thank you very much, Sam. Uh, I'm still really battling to hear you, but uh, uh, I'm very happy to be in your program. There's a first for ev- first time for everything in life. Uh, it's the first time I've belonged to another political party, and it's the first time I've been on Politics Wednesday with you. All right, thank you. So, Ethel, in the Democratic Alliance, let's just check back as to who uh, Ethel is. Tell me about your when did you join the DA? And also, uh, if I'm correct, your family was quite active in the uh, party that was a precursor to the Democratic Party. Okay, Sam, I think I've got the gist of your question. Um, I joined the uh, Democ- uh, the PFP, actually. I joined the PFP when I was a, a schoolboy. And I grew up in a very politically active home. My grandfather had been a member of parliament for the United Party, and his constituency was Port Elizabeth Central. So I grew up in a home that was uh, very much opposition-orientated during apartheid. My father was uh, involved in politics actively himself, and uh, I was involved in student politics in Peter Marisburg University, but my real engagement started in 19, uh, probably around 1993. And in 1995, I was uh, elected as a district councillor to Amatole District Municipality. And uh, in 1999, four years later, I went to the Eastern Cape Legislature and I spent two and a half terms there and I spent half a term in the National Assembly and spent two years as the mayor in East London, uh, in Buffalo City. I'm getting tongue-tied because I met you in Buffalo City as the mayor of Nelson Mandela Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we met in in Buffalo City. I saw you ran away there because I do want to use the term that starts uh, with a B uh, in reference uh, to you. I know we used to call you Nyauza, right? Yeah, I think uh, I wasn't the only one who ran away. Um, you ran away from the Eastern Cape and uh, Bishaw and the legislature. And unfortunately, Sam, you know, that's a, it's a fact of life in the Eastern Cape. People are always leaving the Eastern Cape or leaving their homes in the rural hinterlanders, Lalinu or Kangilama, Imisebens, Namatuba. So the Eastern Cape, pretty much, as I said today, is still is... Um, provides migrant labor across the country. All the best sports people from the Eastern Cape play sport in other provinces and around the world. And it's a real tragedy because the Eastern Cape is the most magnificent province, but they're very limited opportunities. And ironically, the ANC is the most entrenched in this province. So I think it's a very, very poor reflection on the government 
that uh, things are as tough as they are in the Eastern Cape under an ANC government that has incredibly strong support and always has had. Mm. So tell us about this big move for you. Uh, how did that come about, joining Action SA? Yeah, Sam, you know, um, when I resigned my positions of leadership in the DA in October, I stayed on till the end of the year because there was a motion of no confidence coming up for Mongameli Bobani. And uh, once we'd got that right, I retired from politics, from all politics. Herman Mashaba did contact me in uh, December 2019, and he asked if he could meet in January 2020. That meeting never took place, and I didn't pursue it because uh, I wanted to do something different, and I started the consultancy business aimed at bridging the divide between the public sector and the private sector because they really don't work well together. And I ended up working in the Eastern Cape uh, in Fort Beaufort in the Upper Cat River and in Petty in the Kaiskama River working with black citrus growers who are doing a fantastic job there and exporting their citrus all over the world. So I really enjoyed my time away from politics, but it also gave me a sharp perspective, an unbiased perspective of what life in the Eastern Cape and in rural areas of this country is like. So when Herman Mashaba contacted me in December of this year, two two years later uh, after we spoke, uh, we ended up meeting in mid-January. On the 17th of January, I went to Johannesburg and I had a meeting with him in his home and he asked me to join him to um, provide and build an alternative to South Africans, an alternative that they can vote for that is fresh and new and uh, you know, I think voters are tired of the establishment, the current establishment. They've seen the country backsliding over all these years. And all we really see is a lot of criticizing and finger pointing and nothing really happens. So Herman said, would I be prepared to come and head up the Eastern Cape for the next two years as we prepare for the 2024 election? And I said, yes, I'm prepared to do that. And that's how I ended up where I am today. Okay, okay. So, perhaps ideologically, is there a thing that a particular thing that attracted you to action SA and compared to your previous home in the DA? Sam, I, I don't know if I got the question right. You spoke, did you ask me about the ideology or? Yeah, um, that's right. What, what attracted you to action SA? Actually, uh, nothing really attracted me to action SA per se. Uh, I'd worked before with Herman, uh, we were both mayors uh, at the time in 2016. I met with him regularly, we met almost on a bi-monthly or bi-weekly basis, twice a month. And I was impressed by his pragmatism and his fresh attitude to how politics can work in South Africa. So um, I was attracted by that. And then I was especially interested to see how um, they chose to contest only six elections in this uh, six municipalities in this last election, and that they were able to get political support uh, across the board. Now that's always been my main focus in politics. I'm fully aware that if you um, want to do anything significant in politics in South Africa, you need to mobilize a critical mass of support. And the only way you can do that is to get support 
across all racial lines, all cultural lines, and socioeconomic lines as well. And uh, Herman Mashaba seems to have been able to do that in those six municipalities. And um, Action SA is now the sixth biggest party in South Africa. I thought that was a phenomenal achievement. And, uh, you know, I, the other thing that motivates me is uh, I don't think it's very clever or um, productive to compete for anything if you aren't competing to win. And I really like Herman's uh, intention uh, to compete in 2024 to win. And if we can't win outright, that we will be um, the biggest party uh, other than the ANC if we can't get them below 50 percent so that we can become the center of a, a coalition offering to south africa that's what stimulated me and made me accept his offer and i'm gonna you know i'm gonna give everything to that over the next two years and uh, you know the art of politics is to get people from other political parties who haven't voted for you before to vote for you because you ignite something in them or you motivate them and there's a massive constituency in this country that is not participating in politics and in elections. More than 50% of the registered voters didn't vote in this last election. And I've said to Herman that if we concentrate on that constituency uh, and we mobilize them and ignite a belief that if they vote with their feet, that change can come in South Africa, then I think we can achieve what we want to do. Okay. What is the difference between Action SA and the DA? Sam, I've looked at both. So I obviously understand the DA's constitution uh, intimately. I've read Action SA's constitution. There's not a big difference at all. Herman Mashaba uh, is a capitalist, a self-pronounced and publicly pronounced capitalist. He believes in uh, property ownership and the right to own property. Uh, and essentially, um, the, the, the DA and Action SA are not far apart. But I think uh, what I am motivated by with Action SA is that it offers something new and fresh. And uh, I think the established political order has gone a bit stale. And, um, you know, if you doubt that, you need to just ask yourself why more than half of the electorate didn't vote. And that's something that I've been uh, pondering for a long, long time. Why would South Africans not vote when their lives are so dramatically challenged under the current dispensation of the highest levels of unemployment? Our crime is rampant. Um, corruption is just unstoppable. One would think that every single person who had an ID book and was registered would come out and vote, but they aren't. So that means that. Either they don't believe there'll be change or they don't believe that they can bring about change. And my job over the next two years is to go to every single community in the Eastern Cape to motivate them and to encourage them to vote with their feet. Ethel, you're not a new player or new entrant to our politics. So if you're saying uh, our parties and our politics, our politics is stale, and you're bringing something new. I'm trying to figure out what it is that you are bringing that is new uh, yourself to Action SA and Action SA to the Eastern Cape. Okay, uh, I hear you perfectly. It's a very good question. Uh, I said Action SA brings something new and fresh. 
And um, when Herman Mashaba asked me to come and help him with his project, I felt that maybe he believed that I still have relevant political capital or currency uh, in the Eastern Cape. I believe um, that, yes, I might have been in the DA for a long, long time, but I know that I was able to mobilize a constituency that had never voted for the DA before in Nelson Mandela Bay, and that wasn't long ago, and that was in 2016. Mm -hmm. And I believe that I can still motivate that constituency. And uh, I think essentially what Herman has identified in me is that I can uh, unite people and that I can engage people across all um, divides uh, and differences in this province. And that's what I bring. I, I don't say I bring something fresh. I, I, I said I believe that Action SA brings something fresh. Okay, fair, fair, fair enough. So are you bringing in supporters uh, with you into Action SA from the DA? No, um, I didn't go and um, burgle the Democratic Alliance, and I'm not going to do that. <laughs> okay. But there, but there are people um, that have already been, you know, contacting me over the last couple of days when the worst kept secret in South Africa was started. I've had people reaching out to me um, from the DA, but also from other political organisations, uh, also from the civil service, and uh, that's been quite refreshing. So. Um, yeah, I believe that uh, if that's an indication and early foretaste of the interest in Action SA, I think we'll be able to develop quite a considerable footprint in this province. And uh, I look forward to doing everything I possibly can to do that. Okay. So looking at the opposition landscape, we have a party that is not very good in managing uh, its affairs as a political party, the ANC. Now you have these political parties that have failed over the past couple of years to unseat a, an extremely divided uh, political party. That one says quite a bit about the state of things within uh, the, the opposition ranks, don't you think? Um, Sam, I, I'm not sure if I, if I got your question 100%, but you'll let me know. Um, you know... One thing that does concern me a lot, and uh, it might sound ironic because I'm now joining a new political party, another political party in South Africa. My concern is that there are so many political parties in South Africa now that you end up with a situation uh, after elections, especially as we've seen now in local government, is that you've got a proliferation of one-man parties and narrow interest group parties and regional parties and even local parties. Uh, and you go to a council and no one party has a majority and therefore you need to put a coalition together with six, seven, eight or nine political parties. And those one-man parties have quickly understood that their position is crucial and transactional politics is the way they will enrich themselves. So they know that their kingmaker status has value and therefore they transact as much as they can from the parties that are seeking their cooperation. And that cooperation is very often very fickle. It'll be there today and gone tomorrow when somebody else offers them more. And that doesn't provide any kind of stability that will allow you to deliver services at the local government level. So I don't think it's 
all that clever for mainstream opposition parties to cannibalize each other whilst trying to get rid of the ANC. I think the biggest uh, thing that we need to focus on in this country is that the ANC have broken almost every single electoral promise. They have shown that they're not prepared to change. Uh, I, today at the press conference, uh, reminded people what I uh, heard uh, Sipo Pityana saying at Makengesi Stofile's funeral at um, Forte University. He said, And he was warning the ANC that unless, you, unless they didn't change, that they were going to lose their legacy or their heritage. And that's fine. If the ANC doesn't want to self-correct, and didn't want to listen to Pityana or to uh, the late uh, Archbishop Emeritus Desmond Tutu, who, who warned the ANC and said, watch out. If they don't want to self-correct, that's fine. But we can't in South Africa allow the ANC to steal our cattle and uh, destroy the heritage of this country. So we should be focusing on replacing them because they've been a poor government for 28 years. And let all the political parties go out there and focus on doing that. And when the dust has settled off the elections, hopefully we will have some political parties that can cooperate. Now, as far as I'm concerned, there's absolutely no reason if we have to put a coalition together after the next election, why political parties like the DA and Action SA can't cooperate. There should be no reason. But uh, we will see what happens and deal with it after the next election. Okay, so uh, Mr. Trollip, your take on the Action Essay's pronouncements uh, on the issue of uh, immigrants, registered, unregistered uh, migrant workers from uh, the Southern Africa region, from the continent, what's your take about uh, Mr. Mashaba's very consistent uh, stance? I think it's what over from the DA. For me, uh, yeah, Sam, I've obviously had uh, long discussions with Herman Mashaba about the EFF, and I've had long discussions with Herman Mashaba about his position on uh, unlawful immigrants. And, uh, you know, I before I even engaged him on it, I went and read the Constitution of Action SA because that is the lodestar of what the party stands for. And I know that Herman Mashaba has now been targeted as a xenophobe. And I know that in South Africa, political parties are really, really good at finger pointing and calling each other names and branding people. I was in a political party for a long, long time that was always branded as racist. Whether you were racist or not, we were racist. And uh, Herman Mashaba is branded as a xenophobe. I know that uh, when we were both in the same party and we were both mayors, he was dealing with a huge challenge in Johannesburg of um, hijacked buildings. And many of the people who were part of the hijacking of those buildings were unregistered immigrants. And uh, the action they say is positions very clear. We have absolutely no problem with immigration. We have no problem with people with scarce skills coming to work in South Africa. Uh, as long as people come into, this into South Africa legally, and they document it, and we know who they are and where they are so that they can pay tax and that they can obey our laws and that they can respect South African citizens and respect the Constitution, absolutely no problem. 
In fact, that's no different to most of the countries in the world. That's how, you know, uh, the, the global politics works. Immigration and immigration and migration of people is a reality. We live in a global village. And that's what happens. I mean, I have a daughter, for example, who works in Amsterdam and has been there for the past four and a half or five years. She has a scarce skill and she's been identified by a company in Amsterdam to go and work in that country. And she is a documented uh, foreigner working and living in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. But she is um, not a free agent. She has to abide by the rules and the laws of that country. She has to pay tax and do all the rest. So why should it be different in South Africa? Why should people be allowed to walk across rivers and borders and do as they please and uh, transact illicitly across our borders? I mean, there's nothing wrong with saying that we're a sovereign country and we must protect that sovereignty. Okay. So when you look at the state uh, of the economy, are there any uh, low-hanging fruit that you perhaps identify and you're going to be campaigning for and uh, about uh, as you join the new party? Sam, <laughs> you know, I've been in this party for one day. I'm going to a strategic planning session this weekend. I'm going to learn a lot more about where this party stands on a lot of important issues, and I'm obviously going to have my input. And I made it quite clear today in the press conference that I said to Herman, he will be able to count on me challenging issues because that's the way I am. But you know what I like about Herman Mashaba? He is an entrepreneur. He's a successful, been a successful businessman. And when I say he brings something fresh, he's not a hackneyed politician. Uh, and he's had a life outside of politics before he got into politics. And I think the greatest challenge in South Africa is that most of the politicians that are in decision-making positions, especially in the ANC, have never really worked to make a living. They've always been politicians. So today in the press conference, Herman uh, was telling people that he loved making money and he he loved the knowledge that he could be away from his business, but that the tills were still ringing and people were buying his products. And uh, the difference between that is that he knows how to make money and he has made money and he knows what makes the world go round. It's money and business and creating opportunities. Whereas the people that are in government now, they, are, they make a lot of money, but they make it not through the tills ringing by the sale of products. They make the money because they've got their fingers in the till. And that's something that South Africans have had enough of. They've had enough of politicians stealing them blind uh, and being corrupt. And it didn't take the Zondo Commission for South Africans to understand that. Their lived reality makes them know that. Uh, okay. Well, thank you. I'm happy to open have an input, question, comment. For Mr. Trollip or on the topic, please raise your hand and ask that to be made a speaker and we'll make sure uh, you get uh, the mic. So, Mr. Trollip, are you perhaps not, are you perhaps worried about the personality, a cult of personality issues in our politics? I mean, you've got a few parties with strong personalities. I mean, you left the DA, I could say loosely, you ran away from Helen Zilla's DA. Sorry, uh, Sam, just can you make it short? Because I, I really am battling to hear you. Just 
put the question succinctly and I see if I'll be able to catch it. Cult of personality. You ran away from Helen Zillen. <laughs> um, Sam, you know, I contested against Helen Zillen in 2007. And I only left it and I lost that nomination contest. And uh, again in 2012, uh, 2009, I contested against Ryan Kutsia, who was Helen Zilla's proxy. And uh, I won that nomination contest. And then again in 2012, I had to contest against Lindiwe Mazibuko, who Helen Zilla had nominated to take over the leadership, and I lost that one. But I, that was, you know, 2007, 2009, 2012. I only left the DA in 2019. So if I ran away from Helen Zilla, or people think I ran away from Helen Zilla, not true. What did make me uh, reconsider my positions and made me resign my leadership positions in the party was that it seemed that the party, by getting Zilla back into the DA in a very prominent position, believed that Helen Zilla offered something better for the DA's future. And I didn't share that view. Now, you know, that's a, that's a democratic right to, to disagree. And uh, I felt that I could no longer sit at the top table of a party that was going into a direction that I didn't identify with. And, you know, democratic choices are made every single day in this country. And that's why we have a democracy, and that's why the right to choose is a fundamental right in our Bill of Rights. So I made the choice um, to retire, from, resign my positions in the DA, and to, write, to retire from politics. I certainly didn't run away from Helen Zeller. Okay, so let's talk about political parties and their culture. We need strong political parties in South Africa, don't you think? How are you going to do that? within Action SA to make sure that we've got parties that, that are very strong by themselves and they create a good culture to make them uh, parties that can uh, survive uh, for a, a long time. We've struggled with new political parties. You know, starting a new political party is diff difficult because you bring people from all other political persuasions into a new political party and they all have their own ideas about how political parties should operate. Uh, if you don't respect the customs and the practices of somebody's home that you go to, you're going to be asked to leave that home. So that's the first thing I think one needs to do is one needs to set up an ethos uh, and some very clear value systems in a political party that if anyone in that party does not respect those values or the ethos, they should be asked to leave the party so that everyone is clear exactly what the conditions of membership are of that political party. But what unfortunately happens in politics, people go soft on that because politics is about so political parties want to get as many people as possible. So they go soft on those issues and then parties end up bulging in all sorts of funny ways because they countenance the fact that there are people in those parties that don't respect the ethos and the values. And I believe that uh, Action SA is going to have to be very, very strong on that. 
to say that our doors are open for anyone who wants to come. Uh, but you must please understand that we've got some customs and practices and values and ethos in this party that we expect you to respect. And if you want to be a leader or a public representative or a branch chair in that party, don't come there with your own jacket. Because how can you want to represent or lead people if you have no followers? And I said that to Herman today. I said, we're going to have to be very, very strict on that and say to people, if you want to be a public representative or a leader, we need to see that you have people that follow you. Otherwise, you can't lead and represent people if you have no followers. Okay, that's very uh, interesting. Just a reminder, I'm happy to take your comments and questions for Ethel. Please ask uh, to be a speaker. Pico, I'm trying to uh, get you on. Hopefully, I'll be able to do that quickly and uh, let you have your say. Uh, Mr. Trolley, your views on the state of our democracy and the threats uh, that maybe you identify in the next couple of years. Kalpinda, uh, Sam? If threats to democracy, you can't do threats to democracy. You are. Hey, So, in democracy, how strong is it? Uh, can you hear me now? Uh, okay. okay, I've got it. Um, you know, Sam, I, I think we have a we have a democracy in our country, which is a, a great start for Africa. So, you know, you can you can vote without fear and you can participate in politics and you can write letters about the president and you can make comments in the media without being locked up in jail. So I think, you know, we have a democracy. That's good. And we have a Bill of Rights and we have a constitution and we have a reasonably independent judiciary. Those are all very important things that underpin uh, an effective democracy. But our democracy is weak because of the hegemony of the ANC. Uh, but that's also wearing out. You know, I remember in the early days in the 90s when we met, where the ANC, all they had to do basically was to tell uh, their voters or their supporters that if they didn't vote for the ANC, they'd lose their, their grants or that other political parties would take them back to apartheid. And that created a kind of hegemony that the ANC has exploited for the past two uh, and a bit decades. So that makes our democracy weak. But ever since we've had, um, you know, transitions, there, there are a number of municipalities in this country, more and more every election that are not governed by the ANC. We have one province that isn't governed by the ANC. And, uh, you know, Sil, Sil Ramaphosa recently said, to much kudos of the DA that it was the best run province during the parliamentary fire. And, you know, institutions like the Auditor General and many others have identified that governments and municipalities that are not governed by the ANC are governed well. So our democracy could be a lot more vigorous and vibrant if they understood just how powerful their exercise of their democratic right was, because you can make people perform better, or you can remove political parties that don't perform. 
Okay. So are you positive about our future when you look at the economics and political trends? I think you asked me, am I positive about uh, political change? Yes, I am positive because I had an experience in Nelson Mandela Bay myself where um, we were able to bring the ANC below 50% and there was a 17 percentage point swing in Nelson Mandela Bay. I mean, that's massive in any kind of political uh, environment. Uh, if you look at the more established democracies in the world, if you had a 17 percentage point swing, in a state or a municipality or in a country of established successful democracies it would be landslide i mean it would just be incredible so we've had some landslide turnarounds in this country and uh, that encourages me to believe that it can happen and it can happen even more spectacularly okay thank you uh, i'm trying to get in matala matala our resident analyst on politics Wednesday has got a question uh, for you, and we're looking to wrap up and let you go. Nyawiza. Um, you talking to us from Bedford, isn't it? Ethel, hi, where are you talking to us from? Are you or in Joburg? I underwoofa Sam. Oh, Pim I'm in Nelson Mandela Bay at the moment. Oh, so bye, so bye. Matala is going to come in now uh, with a question uh, for you. And then the coalitions uh, that uh, we've seen, I mean, you were in an interesting one. What sort of lessons can you share with us from running a coalition? What were the lessons I learned where? Bye, coalition. Oh, yeah, thank you very much. I, I did learn some amazing lessons. Um, the first lesson I learned was that, you know, I took over a city where the administration was pretty much 90% ANC orientated, and I thought that that would be my biggest challenge. It wasn't, because um, I told the administration that I would keep the politics out of the administration on condition that they kept the administration out of politics. So we treated each other with mutual respect. We operated, um, I, I use the metaphor of train tracks, where mm. train tracks are perfectly um, perpendicular and parallel, and they have to be kept like that. If they come together, you have a derailment, or if they separate, you have a derailment. And I was amazed at how well the civil service mm. or the officials in the municipality respected that kind of distance. And I, and I really was, was able to get them to perform better. So that was the first lesson. The second lesson was a much more difficult lesson. We went into uh, a coalition with uh, a partner in the UDM that really didn't respect uh, that coalition or our partnership at all. And they had a, a representative who broke every single provision of that coalition agreement uh, from the start until I ultimately had to fire Mongameli Bobani as a MMC. But I couldn't fire him as the deputy mayor because he'd been elected as the deputy mayor. And the UDM refused to hold him to account. So if you have a coalition agreement, you better make sure it's signed in blood by all political parties. And if any political party breaks those agreements, the consequence must be that they must be removed or they remove the person who's breaking the agreements. If you don't do that, the agreement will collapse. 
And the other lesson was that we had a cooperative agreement with the EFF. We didn't need them in Nelson Mandela Bay because we had an outright majority in our coalition. But still, we had a cooperative agreement. And that was one of the worst things that we could ever have done. Because unless you've got a watertight agreement of, co uh, of coalition, the cooperation will be on a day-to-day -day basis. And if they get mm -hmm. their way today, they'll support you. And tomorrow, they'll leverage something else. And if they don't get their way or don't get patronage or, or money out of it, uh, and we never, we, I never paid anybody any money. I refused to do that or gave anyone positions. I refused to do that. Then they wouldn't vote with you. So I wouldn't ever consider going into any kind of government that didn't have a watertight coalition agreement saying to the party partners, you're either in or you're out and do not hold us over a barrel. And I still believe that any in a coalition agreement, the biggest political political party in that agreement should have more say because even in a, a law firm where you have a partnership and you might be in a partnership or be a, one of 50 partners in a law firm, there's still senior partners who make give guidance and leadership to that partnership. Exactly the same should be uh, opposite in um, coalition governments because how can somebody who has one councillor on a municipality want to be the person playing the guitar and calling the shots when their other parties have 57 seats, for example. It just doesn't work like that. It's catastrophic because you can't hand over a mandate that you've been given by the biggest share of voters in an election to a political party that doesn't even really have an effective mandate. I think we should also move to a system in this country where there should be thresholds that political parties have to reach before they participate in actual political representation. Because at the moment, you know, you can start a political party in your family and you can get elected into a municipal council. Okay. Let's take Matala, Matala come through Matala, talk to us. Over to you, Matala. Thanks, Samsung. Thanks. Evening, evening, everyone. Uh, Arthur, good evening. Uh, I just wanted to find out, right, what are the expectations of new political parties given that they draw membership from the same pool as other existing political parties. And this pool of membership that they draw from as well has suffered or has been engulfed by a somewhat moral decline and intellectual decline, something that is reflected in the current crop of leadership we have. My premise is that, you know, the current leadership is a reflection of our society and societal values. How does, you know, Action SA plan to, to deal with that, to ensure that the quality of members actually improve the quality of the party itself? Thanks. Okay, that was, uh, I, I really am battling with the sound, but let me give it a shot. Um, and I'm deaf as well, so it makes it very difficult. Um, I think I sort of partly addressed that earlier when I said, when I was having a discussion with Herman, that we should not even consider having public representatives or branch leaders or chairpersons or, um, you know, public representatives in Action SA that don't have some kind of political uh, credibility and following. You're not going to represent your own interests in Action SA. And uh, we need to uh, try and get the South African electorate to start 
um, believing in the people that stand for election. I mean, I think your question said, why there's so many different political parties? Well, the answer to that is, is that there's a feeling that the uh, established political parties aren't offering any hope. So people are desperate. They, they're grasping and clutching at straws. And then you end up with this um, kind of uh, representation of a whole heap of um, narrow-focused interest group political parties uh, rep represented at a legislative or council level. And that makes government very weak. So I think uh, we've got to be very critical about how we elect candidates. And we as leaders need to be exemplary. Uh, I think the leadership of the current government is so abjectly poor and they don't lead by example that people just don't believe them anymore. So it's going to be a big job, uh, you know, to attract proper leaders into politics is difficult because politics is so messy in this country. Mm, okay, then let's take Lulu Makoelane to give comments, questions, input, remarks, anything, Lulu, over to you. Uh, thank you, Sam, and um, I'd really like us to focus um, on the policy aspect of the action essay, particularly in the province. Uh, looking at two particular case studies that have made uh, national and to some extent international news, looking at the Elukolweni uh, case study of the mining, and also now looking at the shell, uh, uh, the, what shell intends to do with the wild coast. I mean, then you have a minister who's, who has endorsed both Ekolobeni and shell. Then you have a premier who is uh, really undecided about whether or not he is endorsing it, I think, really for political reasons for the next coming uh, electorate in the, in the province itself. But I'm really interested in hearing what Action SA's position is, and particular, I, I, I want to hear the response in regards to the visceral, uh, visceral uh, response that communities have had um, to, to, to the, the, the capital, capitalist system that, has, uh, that attempts to destroy the wild coast in and of itself and where does action sa stand on that because one of the uh, points that the speaker raised earlier on is that action sa is very clear on it being a, a liberal party that follows a very much capitalist model so how is that now going to speak to what is currently happening in the eastern cape where there is jobs this side, but there there's also a social cultural aspect to it um, that people are fighting for. Engos Putsen. Thank you. Thank you, Lulu. Nyauza, uh, Umbil. It seems is Ethel there. Ethel, hi. Can see Ethel for some reason. Uh, we may have lost him. And uh, hi, Ethel. Is he there? I can see him. Please bear with me as we're trying to reconnect uh, with Ethel Trollip. Our guest tonight has just joined the uh, Action SA, an interesting new political party. Matala, what's your take 
on Ethel joining this political party? Is it going to work? Is it DA light? Uh, what's your take? Uh, Sam, I think it's still very early days to kind of, you know, render action essay DA light. But what the the party should guard against is for for it to become an amalgamation of disgruntled members of different political parties, uh, something that could lead to tensions within that party. I mean, the Makuzi Saga already gives us a very good example of what could happen when egos clash especially when egos clash without any sort of uh, frameworks to regulate the interactions and to dictate the values of a particular party. Uh, It will be very interesting to see how they move forward in terms of, uh, you know, regulating the leadership interactions, uh, developing that uh, ethos that um, Ethel referred to earlier, because I think he made mention of the kind of members that the party would like to attract and the quality of leadership that they would like to attract as a party. But for now, I do not necessarily believe that it's a DA light. Uh, We have already seen that there's different policy positions on a number of contentious issues between the Democratic Alliance and, and, and Action SA. I mean, the issue of illegal immigration, even though it has been part of the national discourse for a while, uh, Herman Mashaba's insistence since the days that he was mayor of, of, of the city of Joburg has now firmly placed that issue on the policy agenda of this country. We saw the Department of um, Home Affairs coming out uh, a few weeks ago, you know, making remarks regarding that. We have seen other political parties joining in, uh, even though under different guises. Uh, I don't think, in a nutshell, that it's a DA light, but I think it should guard against teething problems, especially in the absence of any particular frameworks to regulate the function of the party and membership membership uh, code of ethics. Okay, thank you, uh, Matala. On that note, it's time to wrap. Unfortunately, we've lost Ethel Trollip, and we're grateful to him for giving us time and uh, the comment and spending uh, a decent amount of uh, minutes in this hour with us and Lulu, I'm afraid we don't have a response uh, to your question about the seismic survey and the Transkai and the development around the wild coast, including Kolobeni. Uh, Do join us next week. We're back on Politics Wednesday, 7pm. Our guest next week is going to be an interesting one. We're going to talk about the basic income grant, the universal basic income grant a big topic uh, in South Africa uh, right now. Michael Sachs, former employee at the Treasury, one of the leading thinkers in economic policy in South Africa, will join us uh, next week. Make sure you don't miss it. Good night.